So three weeks ago, uh, we began a sermon series through the book of Ruth. In the last couple weeks, uh, for obvious reasons, we have not uh, been in the book of Ruth. But today, we are diving back into this book. Uh, We're planning on taking four weeks to do this. There are four chapters in the book of Ruth. So three weeks ago, we looked at Ruth chapter 1. This morning, we will look at Ruth chapter 2, but I think it would be worthwhile to uh, to summarize uh, Ruth chapter 1 if we could really, really quickly. Ruth, the story of Ruth as a whole, takes place in the days of the judges. If you read Ruth 1, 1 and 2, you'll, you'll see that. That's the setting and the backdrop for this story. Now, the days of the judges, for those, for those who have forgotten, was those days after Israel had left the land of Egypt, right? This is thousands of years before Jesus was born, so even further back from our own time. After Israel had left the land of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness, they went in to take possession of the land. They kind of did so slowly, At first, they were kind of an independent conglomeration of tribes, just kind of doing their own things. There wasn't a king over them. And the refrain through the judges is there was no king in Israel in those days. Everyone did that which is right in their own eyes. It was a time of sinfulness. It was a time of lawlessness. I would encourage you to go through the book of Judges Read it as we are going through this, this study in Ruth over the coming weeks. It's a time full of rebellion against God. There are some true atrocities that take place during this time, and all of this is the backdrop to Ruth. But at the beginning of the story of Ruth, there was a famine that sent a man and his family, Elimelech and Naomi and their sons, to the land of Moab. So you have compounding evilness and brokenness and wickedness. You have lawlessness, and then you have famine, and then you have exile, and then you have death. Because Elimelech and his two sons died in the land of Moab. And last week we looked at, or excuse me, three weeks ago, we looked at God's faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness to Ruth. Excuse me, God's faithfulness to Naomi, as even though Naomi was full of bitterness because of the death that she had experienced, God was faithful in bringing back Ruth with her from the land of Moab. There was a little seed that God was still at work. God is still faithful through the brokenness, through the emptiness. All of that sets up Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read through this. Um, I'm just going to kind of go and read the entire chapter, and I'm going to stop and make a couple comments, and then I want to dive in on one area in particular in this text. Ruth chapter 2, go ahead and follow along again. We're not going to read right through. We're going to stop a couple places. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, which was her husband's name, a man whose name was Boaz. The narrator just kind of puts that at the top, and then you kind of forget about it for a little bit, and then it becomes really important later on. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field... And glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. So I'm going to go out, I'm going to try to find a field that someone's going to be kind to me and let me glean there. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Now for those of you who don't know what gleaning is, that's one of those words that we don't really use nowadays. But in the Old Testament times, it was a form really of a social justice welfare system. 
So if you were poor in those days, if you didn't have a field for your own, if you were a foreigner who was sojourning as Ruth was, if you were a widow who didn't have someone to provide for you as Ruth and Naomi both were, then you could go to the fields and you could glean in the fields. And if you were a wealthy person who owned land, and that was where your wealth was in the Old Testament, right? They didn't have bank accounts, they didn't have stocks, you had land and you had cattle. And if you were a wealthy person with a field and you were harvesting your field, you weren't allowed to harvest all of it. You had to leave some for the people who would come and glean. If you were, you know, kind of driving your tractor along and you missed a row of corn, you weren't allowed to circle back to get that row of corn. You had to leave it because people would come in and glean. You weren't allowed to go all the way up to the edges of the field. You had to leave that. You weren't allowed to go back if you dropped anything. You had to leave that because people would come through who needed that food and they would come to glean. So when Ruth says, hey, I'm going to go look for a field where I can glean. Maybe someone will have, you know, I will find favor in someone's eyes. That's what she's doing. She's going to look for food for her family because she and Naomi are both widows, so they're dependent on the generosity of others. They're dependent on this law to provide for their needs. Verse 3, so Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech, this guy who was mentioned earlier. I love, I love that phrase, by the way. It just so happened that she came to this part of the field. Now, it didn't just so happen, right? We see God at work through this entire story. His hand is on all of the actions and all of the happenstance that happens here. But the narrator just presents it as if it's, oh, it just, it just so happened that this happened. Anyway, moving on. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose who's young woman is this? I don't, I don't recognize her. She's not one of ours, right? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Right? And this story would have made the rounds. People would have heard about her. And he, he was just saying, oh, this is, that's her. She said to me, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. And it's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So Boaz goes over to Ruth, and Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have not I charged the young men not to touch you? There's a, remember the backdrop of the, the time of the judges, right? It was a lawless time. It was a sinful time. It was not a great time for a young single woman to be out in the fields by herself. She needed protection. So it's important that Boaz here says, haven't I commanded the young men not to touch you? Because it's dangerous out there at this time in Israel. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. 
and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And Ruth replied, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So Boaz says to his young men, you know, like when you're harvesting and you're putting stuff, you know, accidentally drop some grain so she can have even more to take home to her family. Now, the law required that Boaz, as a field owner, not harvest everything. The law did not require Boaz to protect Ruth. The law did not require Boaz to give her water to drink. The law did not require Boaz to bring Ruth to his table and to feed her bread. But Boaz did. Boaz had favor on Ruth. And really here we should see God's favor being on Ruth. Sort of the theme of grain and abundance here is is a big one through the book of Ruth, right? Remember, Ruth began with a famine. There was emptiness. It was was barren and desolate. But you come at the end of uh, Ruth chapter 1, you have that reminder that the barley harvest was beginning. And so now Ruth, someone who was far off from the people of God, is full and satisfied by grain that Boaz gives to her. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. It was a lot of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Right, so Ruth ate at the table of Boaz, and she ate until she was full and took home a doggy bag. She had raw grain and also cooked grain that they could eat that night. And her mother-in-law said to her, kind of incredulously, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Three weeks ago, we we talked more about Naomi. And just as an aside, Naomi, Naomi in the previous chapter, was, was angry at God for what he had done. But here, God is working in Naomi's heart to turn her heart towards God. She says, Blessed be the Lord, who has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to Ruth, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. We'll talk a lot more about that next week in Ruth 3 when we look at the character of Boaz, but for now we'll just brush by it. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. And she lived happily with her mother-in-law. Story of Ruth. 
I want to focus, if we can, on, on the first exchange between Ruth and Boaz. Verse number 10. So after Boaz initially goes to Ruth, after, you know, Ruth is just looking for someone, you know, to let her glean in the fields. Now, Ruth was, Ruth was a Moabite. Ruth was a foreigner. And even though the law, you know, commanded the, the nation of Israel to let people who needed to glean in their fields, we can expect that in this time, because of people's selfishness, because of who Ruth was, that people would have turned her down. No, you can't come glean in our fields. This, is, this food's for us. You know, go find another field. So the field that she goes to happens to belong to Boaz, a kind man. And she comes, and not only is she allowed to glean, but she's granted favor upon favor upon favor. She's allowed to drink of the water. She's allowed to eat at Boaz's table. So verse number 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Why, why me? Out of all the people on whom to show mercy, out of all the people to have kindness on, why have you had kindness on me? Now, some people, I think, would kind of read into this what we have later. So, spoilers, if that's okay. Ruth and Boaz get married, and they have kids, and they live happily ever after. And so, it can be tempting to read into this that Boaz is just being nice to her because he thinks she's cute. It's a possibility, right? I don't think that's in view here, though. And again, we'll get in more into Ruth's relationship with Boaz next week. But I think Boaz's answer here is a legitimate one. Boaz answers her in verse 11, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, how you left your father and your mother and native land and came to a people that you did not know before. And may the Lord repay you for what you have done. Ruth says, Why have you had favor on me, though I am a foreigner? And though, as the text keeps reminding us, she's a Moabite. Now, the Moabites, I'm not going to go into the full history of Moab and Israel. Uh, you can look that up later if you'd like. But sometimes we can lose all of the ites together. Right? The Amorites and the Amalekites and the Elkishites and the Amorites and the Jezbeth, all the all, everyone just kind of rushes together into one thing. But the nation of Moab was a nation that was related to the nation of Israel, uh, they were descendants of Lot, who was Abraham's cousin, excuse me, Abraham's nephew. And they settled sort of on the other side of the Jordan River, the other side of the Dead Sea from the nation of Israel. They had similar cultures. They had similar languages. But as relatives often do, they fought. They had a really, really complicated history, the Israelites and the Moabites. In fact, just probably a few years earlier, we don't know exactly the timeline, but in the book of Judges, for 18 years, the nation of Moab had dominion over Israel. They occupied Israel and annexed them to their kingdom for a little while. So this probably, this conflict would have been fresh in the minds of all of the Israelites around. This woman is not only a foreigner, 
but she's a Moabite. We just fought a war with them 10 years ago, or whatever the timeline is. Again, we don't, we don't know. But we just fought a war with them. Why, why would we have kindness on her out of all of the people? And Ruth knows this. So when Boaz comes to her and shows love to her, shows favor to her, she falls down on her face and she says, why have you had favor on me? I'm a foreigner. I'm a Moabite. Why would you show this kindness to me? And I really appreciate Boaz's response here. Because he really deflects his answer to God. Boaz really doesn't take any credit here. In verse number 12, he says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz deflects a little bit. You know, Ruth is addressing Boaz, but Boaz responds that he's just being used of God to have favor on Ruth. Again, God is at work in all of the little comings and goings in this story. It was God who brought them, or God who brought Ruth to Boaz's field. God who worked in Boaz's heart to show favor to Ruth. So when Ruth responds, now why have you had favor on me? We can really see that request is being made to God. Ruth asks, perhaps legitimately confused, why have you, Boaz, as a representative of God in this case, why is favor being shown to me? And the answer is that Ruth left and she came. Ruth left her father and mother. She came from her native land and she came to a people that she did not know before. Right, we kind of skipped over this three weeks ago as we were looking through um, Ruth 1. We were kind of focusing on Naomi. But Ruth, when, when Naomi was coming back to Israel, right, Ruth had never been to the land of Israel. The only Israelites she had known, probably, were Naomi and her family. And so Ruth and her sister, not her sister, excuse me, her sister-in-law Orpah were, were kind of considering coming back, and Orpah winds up staying and Ruth winds up coming. What could have possessed Ruth to leave a people that she did not, or to leave her own family and come to a people that she didn't know? There's a beautiful, um, there's a beautiful poem that we see in Ruth 1. Really, we could see these as, as wedding vows in Ruth's response to Naomi. Verse number 16 of Ruth 1. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more, if anything but death parts me from you. Naomi had encouraged Ruth and Orpah to go back to their own house, to their own gods. But Ruth, for whatever reason, rejected that. She said, no, I'm not going to go back to my own, I'm not going to go back to my family's house. I'm not going to go back to my old gods. You're my family now. Your gods are my gods now. Your people are my people now. She left what she had known before, and she came to the land of Israel. And for this reason, 
because she left, because she came, God had favor on her. So question, stopping, pausing, and and looking at the situation. Question, was Ruth saved by works or was Ruth saved by faith? Was Ruth saved because she came or was Ruth saved for another reason? See, we just, you know, as, as a church, we just celebrated Halloween, which, you know, if you're a pagan, you celebrate Halloween. I'm just kidding. You can celebrate Halloween. But we also, as a church, celebrate Reformation Day. We celebrate the day that Martin Luther began the Protestant Reformation. And one of the key cornerstones of the Protestant Reformation is that our salvation is not by works. It's not by the things that we do. Right? It's not because we give money to the church. It's not because we give money to the backpack program, although that's good, and please do that. It's not because you know, we do anything or are kind or avoid doing certain sins. It's because we trust God and because of that reason alone. So was Ruth saved because she left her people? Or was Ruth saved because she had faith? The answer to that is because she had faith. That's what Ephesians 2 says, right, when we read that earlier. By grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not of works, so that no one can boast, right? When we get to eternity, we don't get to say, hey, I did this to get here, and other people say, well, I did more than you, right? There's no no comparing each other when we get to eternity because none of us got, none of us get there by what we do. We get there by trusting God. But it's also true that true faith, true trust in God, results in works. Let me turn over to the book of James, if I can. I'm going to lose my place because I'm holding a microphone. That's okay. The book of James. I should have marked this before. But just, you know, somebody hum the Jeopardy theme music and we'll be good. All right, James chapter 2, verse number 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So in Ruth's question, why have you had favor on me? That she addresses to Boaz, really addressed to God because God is the one who is having favor on her through Boaz. So in that question, why is the answer because of anything that Ruth has done? Is it because she brings a certain thing, that she brings a contribution, and Boaz says, oh, I need to reward this? Or was it because God had worked in her life? It's because God worked in Ruth's heart. As she and her sister-in-law and her mother-in-law, when they're leaving the land of Moab, they were having this conversation among themselves. Should we go? Don't go back. Well, we want to go back. Well, don't go back because you're not going to have kids. As they're having that conversation, something happened in Ruth's heart that didn't happen in her sister-in-law's heart. God reached into Ruth's heart 
and granted the gift of faith. And something changed for Ruth. Something changed. And she said, you know what? It is worth it to leave the life that I had. It's worth it to come and follow the true God of Israel. And because of the faith that was ignited in her heart, she left and she came. That faith was turned into action. And God had favor on Ruth, even though by every, every right, she shouldn't have had the favor of God. She was a foreigner. She should have stayed on the outside of the people of God. But God had mercy on her anyway. The question that Ruth asked why have you had favor on me? That question can be found in our mouths as well. Why have we received God's favor? We being sinners who were dead in our trespasses and sins, why have we received the favor of God? This past week, we had Halloween slash Reformation Day whatever you want to call it, but we also had, there was a, a historical moment that happened. The founder of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, was killed. And there, there are very few people on this world who everyone kind of agrees is a bad person, right? But, but this guy is, is on the list. This is a man who was the head, he founded a terrorist organization who killed thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not millions of people. I'm really not sure what the number is. This is a man who even in his death, his death by suicide, along, you know, as he killed himself with a suicide vest, he killed three children that he was using as a human shield. It's hard to think of someone more deserving of the wrath of God than someone like that. But it's easy for us as you know, good upstanding people, to look at someone who's sinful and say, yeah, they deserve the wrath of God. But I'm fine, right? We love to compare ourselves to other people and find the line between God's favor and God's judgment somewhere worse than us. It's always easy for us to find someone and say, yeah, they deserve it, but I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad, so, you know, God must have, you know, he, you know, I'm probably fine. I'm probably going to get in, right? But the fact is that no matter how good or how bad you are on this earth, you can always justify your own actions and always find someone worse. You can go to a prison and find someone who's guilty of murder and, you know, ask the person, you know, do you think you're a bad person? They'll say, no, because the person I killed had it coming to him. I'm not as bad as my cellmate. He raped three people. He deserves God's wrath, but I'm, I'm good. The reality is that it's not up to us to draw that line. Because if we're going to draw that line, we're always going to put ourselves on the good side. The reality is that we are not being compared with the worst of the worst, we are not being compared with the founder of ISIS. We are being compared with the holy, almighty God who demands sinlessness. And as Paul wrote in the book of Romans, we have all fallen short. We are all unrighteous. 
we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. Every one of us were by nature children of wrath. Try as we might to be good people, try as we might to do good things, none of us can earn God's favor with our own works. But we can still have the favor of God anyway. And just as Ruth bowed her head to the ground in front of Boaz, addressing Boaz, but really addressing God, why have I found favor? So we ought to ask the same question. Why have I, a sinner, someone who has fallen short of God's ultimate high standards, why have I still found favor? And the answer is the same as for Ruth. Ruth did not find favor because she was an Israelite. She wasn't an Israelite. She didn't have favor because she did this amazing, incredible thing. She found favor just because God did a work in her heart to turn her away from her previous sinful life and to bring her into God's people. And so, too, we can find favor because God, because of what Christ has done on the cross, because he paid the punishment for our sins, because he rose from the dead in order to bring us to God, we can have favor when God works in our hearts to lead us to repentance. That's the leaving part where we forsake our sin, our previous way of life, all of those things that we've done before that are not pleasing to God, when we forsake those and when we turn away from them in faith as Ruth did to join the people of God. You know, Ruth had never visited the land of Israel. She had never seen it. She left by faith. And when we have faith, when we trust in God and when we follow Christ, we can have the favor of God, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. We cannot earn God's favor by anything that we have done. It must be granted to us, and it will be granted to those who trust Christ for their salvation. So my question for each one of you, for me, whether you've been walking with God for decades, whether this whole Christianity thing is something that you're curious about, maybe you've been coming to church for years and you don't know Christ. But my question for all of you is this. Do you repent and believe? Repentance is a turning away from your sin, as Ruth did, right? She left her people. Do you repent of your sin? Do you acknowledge that you are weak, and sinful in the sight of God, unable to earn his favor by yourself? And do you trust him? Turning to him as Ruth did, saying, I don't know what being part of the people of God is like, but I do know that only this God, only by joining to his people, can I have any kind of salvation. Do you repent of your sin, and do you turn and trust him? Because it's only in trusting Christ, that we can have any kind of salvation at all. Why have we found favor? We can find favor because of Christ if we repent 
and if we believe. Will you pray with me?